Job chapter 2, verse 1. One day the members of the heavenly court came again to present themselves before the Lord, and the accuser Satan came with them. Satan is not part of the heavenly court, but God allowed him to come before the throne anyway, along with the rightful court members, who are the angels. 2. Where have you come from? The Lord asked Satan. God never asks a question without already knowing the answer. He was giving Satan an opportunity to present his case. Satan answered the Lord, I have been patrolling the earth, watching everything that's going on. God watches the earth to find somebody who's faithful. Satan watches the earth to find somebody who's weak spiritually, who he can attack. 3. Then the Lord asked Satan, Have you noticed my servant Job? He is the finest man in all the earth. He is blameless, a man of complete integrity. He fears God and stays away from evil, and he has maintained his integrity, even though you urged me to harm him without cause. God says that Job is blameless. This doesn't mean that Job never sinned, because only Jesus Christ has never sinned. Job made mistakes, he stumbled, he sinned at times, but the reason he was blameless was because he always repented and asked for forgiveness. He always went to the altar, made a sacrifice, and asked the Lord to forgive him, and then he resisted evil again. He didn't continue doing the same bad things over and over without remorse. He was blameless because he was always getting forgiven. At the same time, Job was constantly asking God to forgive his children as well for their sins. God says he was the finest man on earth. Now here's another great compliment from the Lord. In the time of Moses, it was said, and we read in Exodus, that Moses was the most humble man on the earth of his time when he was alive. Now, in the book of Job, in Job's time, it's telling us that no one was of a finer character than Job. You and I can have that kind of character too. If we understand who we are in relation to God, we're dust. And Job understood this. When you understand that God created everything and you and I are dust in that creation, then we remain in constant awe of God. We don't judge him. We don't complain to him. We don't lose our faith. We don't stop worshiping him. If we have ourselves in the correct position in our own minds, we'll never stop being humble servants. And that's what Job was. He continued to be a humble servant because he knew who he was, dust. Now, God loves this dust that he created. So we aren't any less loved because we're at such a low estate. But by realizing our low estate, we can appropriately respond to him, which is in utter awe and worship and thanksgiving. And he feared the Lord and stayed away from evil. He was resisting sin constantly because he feared the wrath of God. And we need to know, Satan did not make hell as his party zone. God created hell to be an eternal punishment for Satan and the demons, and hell is full of fire. And only God can control what happens to us in eternity. Only God can forgive us and only God can save us. And for that reason, we need to be in fear of him. And it should only be God who we want to please, not people, not Satan, not ourselves. Because Satan can't help us, people can't help us, and we can't help ourselves. Our only Savior is God himself. 
Integrity means doing the hard thing, no matter how hard it is. It means telling the truth, even if it means you're going to lose a good business deal or you're going to have to pay a speeding ticket. Telling the truth, even if it means that people won't like you or that you won't get that job promotion. That's integrity. It means admitting when you've done wrong and apologizing. It takes integrity to admit our faults. But only a person of integrity can ever be holy. Job remained honest. He didn't blame God for what happened to him because he knew that God had all the authority and all the right to allow misfortune to happen to Job. 4. Satan replied to the Lord, Skin for skin, a man will give up everything he has to save his life. Satan said, If you allow me to make Job sick, then he'll hate you. But God said, Go ahead, make him sick, but you cannot kill him. God is still using Job as an example to Satan, but Satan can't get saved. His salvation story had already come to an end. So is God trying to get Satan saved? Absolutely not. Is he trying to save demons? Absolutely not. But this example was an example to the angels in heaven, not that they needed it either because they had already chosen Christ, and that's why they were still in heaven. That's why they were still in God's court. But it's an example to all of us who read the story, and God knew that billions of people would read or hear this story. 7. So Satan left the Lord's presence, and he struck Job with terrible boils from head to foot. A boil is a cyst, and a cyst is when you have a whole bunch of pus and disease inside a pore or a cavity, and it can't come out. A boil will never burst. It just gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and it causes more and more pain as it stretches your skin and puts pressure in the location that it's in on your body, and there's never any relief. If it grows without ceasing, it will eventually kill you. And remember, it was a boil that almost killed King Hezekiah when he was in the process of dying and the Lord saved him. Job has boils all over his body, and boils always grow. So he has growing boils all over his body. They're just getting bigger and more painful as the days go by. This must have been excruciating because one boil is painful, and the bigger it gets, the more painful it gets, but he was covered in boils. 8. Job scraped his skin with a piece of broken pottery as he sat among the ashes. He was scraping his skin to try to get the boils to open up and release all of that pressure. He may have also been doing it because the scratching was a distraction from the intense pain of the boil, so maybe it just made him more easy to keep his sanity in all of that pain and grief that he was suffering. He was sitting among the ashes. The ashes would be used for mourning anyway, so he was probably putting ashes on his head every single day and just getting grayer and grayer. 9. His wife said to him, Are you still trying to maintain your integrity? Curse God and die. Job probably taught her the laws of God. However, she didn't have faith. She just thought, well, if God is going to do all this stuff to us, then we don't need to worship him anymore. And that's a typical response of somebody who has no faith whatsoever. Imagine if Jesus thought that about the Father. If the Father is going to make me go to the cross and die for the world, then I'm just not going to obey the Father anymore. If Jesus had thought that, then you and I wouldn't have anything to live for.
There's always a good reason for everything that we go through, and God has a final plan, so we have no right to judge him. But Job's wife judged God anyway, and told Job to. 10. But Job replied to his wife, You talk like a foolish woman. Should we accept only good things from the hand of God and never anything bad? Today, a lot of people have this theology that God will never allow you to have any pain or anything and that all evil comes from Satan. But that absolutely is not true. We have seen time and time again in the Old Testament that God has allowed and even sent evil into people's lives to make them grow up, to test their faith, to build character, and to spread his kingdom. He has good reason for allowing us to suffer, just like he allowed his own son to suffer. And he allowed his own son to suffer more than any of us have ever suffered. We'll go more into depth in that in the New Testament. It was unspeakable, phenomenal suffering. So in all this, Job said nothing wrong. He was absolutely right. We must accept the good and the evil that God allows in our lives. It's all for his purpose. But you know, the word of faith theology teaches that God doesn't send pain or anything bad into our lives. But God told Moses, am I not the one who appoints who should be lame and who should be blind? Yes, God allows Satan to attack us and make us lame and blind, but God appoints who Satan is allowed to attack, and God has appointed them to be attacked for a purpose. God never tempts us, as the New Testament said, but God allows Satan to tempt us, and he allowed Satan to tempt his own son when his own son was fasting for 40 days in the wilderness. From our perspective, it would be, give Jesus a break. He's fasting. Don't pick on him. But God allowed his son to be tempted at the end of a 40-day fast from food and water. So he allowed his own son to be tempted at the absolute weakest time in Jesus' life up to that point. And then Jesus was tempted in the Garden of Gethsemane, and his father never answered him once. The father remained silent while Jesus was pleading and begging that if there was any way to avoid the cross, if his father would let him avoid it. And his father remained silent and did not answer him. That was a great test of Jesus' faith. Jesus knew he had to go to the cross. He knew that silence meant no. And that is a really hard lesson to learn. A lot of times God will be silent, and he has every right to be, because he sees the end. He knew that Jesus would ascend into heaven and be placed above every name that is in the entire universe, and have power over everything in the universe, including power over hell. And because the Father saw that, he remained silent when Jesus was in the garden. Believe me, God knows what we're going through. And we still have to remain faithful and have integrity. 11. When three of Job's friends heard of the tragedy he had suffered, they got together and traveled from their homes to comfort and console him. Now that was the right thing to do. His three friends came to comfort him. Their names were Eliphaz the Temanite. And you know Eliphaz was a descendant of Esau. Gildad the Shuhite. And Zophar the Namathite. All of these friends have really good biblical names. Eliphaz means the endeavor of God, or that would mean my God is separate, my God is pure. Bildad means 
old friendship, and Bildad was an old friend of Job. Zophar means rising early or crown. And I wonder if that's because his three friends rose in the morning to go visit him and comfort him. I don't know. But anyway, these are all decent names. And all of these men are decent people, but they don't have the same faith that Job has. And you'll see why later. They don't believe that God would ever harm somebody who is righteous. But remember, he allowed harm to come to his own son. And he did allow harm to come to Job. But these guys have weak faith. And they only want a God who rewards them all the time when they're good. They don't believe in a God who would ever allow us to suffer. The book of Job makes it really clear that yes, God does allow us to suffer, and it's on purpose. And we're warned in the New Testament that if we follow Jesus and take up our cross, we will suffer. And we are warned in the New Testament to expect to suffer. Because the Bible makes it really clear that being a Christian means carrying your cross. We will have joy within the suffering, but we will have to suffer. 12. When they saw Job from a distance, they scarcely recognized him because he was covered in these wounds and he was grieving. His face was probably contorted. Welling loudly, they tore their robes and threw dust into the air over their heads to show their grief. They cried with him, which was beautiful. They met him, they cried with him, and they waited. 13. Then they sat on the ground with him for seven days and nights. Seven is the time to complete for mourning of his children. They were silent while he mourned the death of his children. No one said a word to Job, for they saw that his suffering was too great for words. In this chapter, Job's friends are doing everything right. Their response is completely appropriate. Don't say anything stupid. Cry with him and stay with him and wait. All of that is the best way to respond to somebody else's suffering and to believe the person, but that they don't do later on. That's where they slip up, is they don't believe Job. We'll read about that in future chapters. Job lost all of his children, all of his property, his health. The only thing he had left was the land that he owned. God told the Israelites they're never allowed to permanently give up their land. That's why every seventh year they had to cancel all debts and each person returned to the property of his family because God never wanted the Israelites to give up their land. Job has his land, but he doesn't have his posterity, which is his children, so he has no legacy. He has no property, so he's lost his identity that he had because of what he owned, and he has no power because his body is totally sick. He's only worthy of laying in a hospital bed. He can't fight, and he can't take care of himself. He's lost his posterity, his power, and his property. But the one thing he hasn't lost is his inheritance in the Lord. The spirit was still in Job, and he still loved the Lord. And that concludes Job chapter 2. I accidentally read this chapter using the New Living Translation. That was an accident. In the next chapter, I'll be reading again from Young's Literal Translation.